do this. Let's talk about talk. Hey there. Welcome to Talk About Talk. I'm your communication coach, Dr. Andrea Wojnicki. Please call me Andrea. This is where we check in to improve our communication skills, both professionally and personally. This week, we're talking about how to use our consumer voice. Here's the thing. I've studied and worked in marketing for most of my adult life, but I am a true consumer advocate, and I'm a big fan of consumers actively participating in the marketplace, exercising their consumer voice to get what they want and what they need. So what do I mean exactly by using our consumer voice? Well, I mean being heard in the marketplace, be it with our reactions to products and services we've consumed, and even with our input to product improvements or even product development. It's about being heard as a consumer. By the end of this episode, I promise you will have learned a lot. First, from our guest expert, Kathy Chang, the founder and president of Next Intelligence, a tech-oriented market research company that helps firms identify real, actionable insights from consumers like you and me. Let me just tell you that after you hear from Kathy, your head will be spinning, mostly from the opportunities that we have as consumers nowadays compared to even just 10 years ago. But don't worry, I'll summarize everything for you. Then I'll share with you a list of five distinct ways that we can all exercise our consumer voice so that we can be more successful and satisfied consumers. Okay, let's start the conversation with Kathy Cheng. Once you hear Kathy, you'll see that she is truly enamored with both consumers and with technology. And that reminds me, wait till you hear her answer to my rapid fire question at the end. What is your communication medium preference for casual conversations? If you listen to Talk About Talk, you probably know that most guest experts answer by saying face-to-face or maybe on the phone or through text, but not Kathy. No, no, no. She is more high-tech. You'll see. Anyway, I thought Kathy would be a great place to start since her firm is on the cutting edge of what market researchers are doing to help firms, to help brands, better understand their consumers' wants and needs. In other words, her market research firm identifies, interprets, and amplifies consumer insights so that her clients can better meet our needs. Yes, our needs as consumers. So don't be intimidated. This is inspiring stuff. Let me tell you about Kathy. Kathy Chang is a leading researcher, moderator, and ethnographer in Canada's multicultural and newcomer markets. She co-authored a book called Migration Nation, A Practical Guide to Doing Business in Globalized Canada. This is the first and only book that helps organizations plan for growth and relevance in this increasingly multicultural Canada. And that sounds like a great topic for another episode, by the way, doesn't it? Anyway, Kathy's developed and led cultural research practices at both Enveronics and Ipsos before starting up Next. She's now the founder and president of Next Intelligence, Inc., an insight tech company that builds a full-service suite for marketers and insight managers to understand their customers and employees in-depth and at scale through engaging conversational research experiences delivered by Incabot. Yes, Incabot, a user-centric chatbot designed and trained for market insight and feedback purposes. Thank you so much for joining us, Kathy. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for having me. Okay. So from a consumer's perspective, what may we have noticed when we're online, maybe when we're shopping or doing research in terms of AI and marketing and communications? AI is really part of our daily life. When we search in the past, you type in a word, but now we can even just put in an image. Uh, the computer can find 
some clothing that you'd like to buy, the exact same thing to find the store that where you can find that. Wait a minute. I, I heard of this. So if I take a picture or a screenshot of something, I can enter it in or somehow upload it? Yeah, I believe Target is really big on that. If you upload a picture, you see a friend, your girlfriend has a really nice dress and you really like it and you want you wonder where you can find it, you can probably upload that picture and then ask the search engine to tell you where you can find the exact same dress or something similar. So are you going to like a general search engine like Google or are you going to the Target website for that? Target website is uh, probably the best place to really? do that specifically. But Google artwork, for example, yep. I, now I can just put in a picture of the artwork and then Google can find similar artworks or exactly the, the piece and then can tell me a lot of information. Okay, my brain's exploding. Honestly, I did not foresee that this is where the conversation was going, but it's fantastic. So... It reminds me of the app Shazam that recognizes music. If you press the button, it listens and then it tells you what the music is. Yeah. And it's the same idea except yeah. visual. It's definitely changing. And I see my, my kids, how they interact with their phones, computers. It's totally different. They are part of the computer, I find. They are real partners. They are their playmates. They are asking questions just like asking their buddies. It's just amazing. The technology we are building, it, it was actually inspired by a conversation I heard my son was having with Siri. I thought that was just incredible because in our world, we, we really want to engage consumers so yeah. that we can understand them fully. But it's challenging because yeah. nobody wants to keep talking to someone who wants to understand where do you bank, how much do you have in this checking account that nobody wants to do that. Right. So seeing a child can interact with Siri, asking all kinds of silly questions as an entertainment it by itself, I just thought, wow, that is really inspiring. What if we could try to understand people with that kind of interaction? Can you tell us a little bit about the technology that you're using for your company? We're building a chatbot for uh, research purposes. All research is, in simple terms, really try to understand people. I think micro-targeting is, uh, is what AI is very good at, online or offline. It's, again, not too long ago, I believe people were complaining, how come it's creepy? I just searched a pair of shoes. Now the shoe store is chasing me. I see advertising every day. It is creepy. How can you do something like that? Recently, there is an article, 80% of consumers expect the internet to know what they want now. Yeah. It's just fascinating how mm -hmm. people shifted. Now they expect the internet to know what they're looking for. That only delivers better services. Right. And then one step further, you could actually be strategic. You can pre-shop. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that marketers are employing AI for online? Automated advertising service, like a machine can create, can write the copy can buy media, can eventually just launch the campaign. It does require a huge amount of data. Yeah. What you would do then, it's almost like working with an agency. You would tell the machine what you want, who you'd like to target, what's the message, main message you'd like to be delivered to your target audience. Yeah. So what automated advertising, how it is significantly different from traditional advertising is because digital media can be a lot cheaper than traditional media and the speed of changing 
different ads can be almost instant. There is an opportunity for you to put out like a hundred ads at the same time, mm. targeting different people. Instead of doing an advertising test for you to decide which one works the best before you do the advertising, you can just put it, put them out there and try different things. And whichever one gets traction, then you just push that one. Yeah, and then you, uh. you just automatically delete the ones that do not do that well. So that, in a way, is inside automation already. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, is a very good example of co-creation. Put the consumer's in the process of creation. I think that's really, really amazing. Are there some product categories out there right now where this is happening? I think inside technology is still fairly new because it's hard. It's very, very hard. It's hard and at the same time, it's really exciting because in my mind, this is real artificial intelligence. Micro marketing, that's very good. Somehow, I think at the end, it's computational. There are certain algorithms, but yeah, at the end, everything is algorithm. But I think I do see a difference between that kind of algorithm to predict what you might like next based on behavior data versus an algorithm to understand uh, the fundamental drivers mm. of your your past purchase behavior. So that's the inside technology. Um, of your past and your future? Or? And possibly future, yeah. what you may be interested in. So that requires a lot more um, interpretation, yeah. creativity, things that I would think only human can do. But now there is a possibility that machine can do as well. Mm. To me, that's real artificial intelligence. Once that happens, that's that's very interesting. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell us um, any specifics of projects that you're working on just to illustrate what might be possible? Um, I have to say we're at the infant stage. We're really pushing hard on that. Um, What we're trying to work on is um, to understand people. Typically, we do a survey. We do um, qualitative research. That's the natural language processing piece. That's the challenge that... um, we really embrace, uh, that's our next step. So that's where the chatbot plays a role because with the chatbot, the whole process is more social-like, more natural. Instead of bringing people to Mm -hmm. a very artificial setting, like a survey, Mm -hmm. because we don't communicate in a survey environment, we chat with people, we give them some real-life scenarios and ask them how... what you would say. So are these customers or consumers, are they coming to your office and working on a computer or are you pre-screening them and then sending them this thing and then they're doing an online chat? It's not a survey. I got that. Or is it happening organically? How's that happen? How is the interaction? So there are two types of um, interactions. One, traditionally in the market research world, we still rely on panel companies. We tell them, I want 600 Canadians between 18 to 55, for Mm -hmm. example. I need to do a seven-minute chat with um, a representative nationally of Canada, for example. There are limitations because we know consumer panelists may not be representative of all Canadians. There is a certain demographic or psychographic that will be on consumer panels, not everybody. The other approach is more organic. We just put the uh, chat on social media, do a campaign. We did a campaign. It was the Olympics. So what the campaign was, do a short quiz to find out what kind of Olympian you are. Mm. 
it's almost like a personality test, but our thing, it was all about culture, all the cultural dif- different dimensions. We uh, turned them into fun questions. Um, so there so was a hook of, there. The Olympics were yeah, fascinating at the time. Right? It was really fascinating how many people actually came to do the survey. It was really, really, it's a, it's, it's a happy story that we really um, enjoy. We ended up with 50,000 people doing wow. the survey. So the word I'm thinking is gamify. It's like you're gamifying the survey. Yeah. Gamify is a, can have something to do with technology or it doesn't have to. There are market researchers who f- focus very much on gamification, yep. um, create very disguised surveys. It's it's just a very fun game, um, I which I like very much as well. There was a company on Facebook that was getting in- into trouble for doing that, right? Because mm-hmm. they were getting people to answer questions and then they were targeting them and it, it seemed nefarious at the time. So. It could be. It they, could be, yeah. So whenever I think of chatbots, I think of when I sign my children up, for soccer, mm-hmm. this sort of attractive woman walks across the screen. It's a bit creepy. And she says, hey there, I'm from this company and I'm here to help you. Click, I've done this before or <laughs> go uh, away. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she's creepy. <laughs> what is that? It's a chatbot. Yeah, it's maybe the designer wanted to be more human-like the sense of humor, I find that's really tricky. In our case, we actually really try to be very clear. This is a chatbot. And a lot of the programmed responses are things like if someone says, oh, you are just way too slow for me, then the bot will say, I am my programmer. I tell my programmer, uh, my programmer will make me better, something like that. Make sure that people understand this is a chatbot. But I think people have different philosophy in terms of using a chatbot. And that probably will change over time too, right? It'll become so widespread that it'll be hey, I'm a better chatbot than that chatbot. And I'm there, you know, the chatbots will be putting their hands up saying, I'm the, I'm a chatbot. I think so. It also depends on how it is used. I would think there is a big distinction between chatbots used for customer service purposes versus for our purposes, market research, discovery purposes. In our case, though, nobody wants to voluntarily talk to us to give their insights. That's mm. just not happening, never going to happen. And second, um, we tend to, in our industry, we tend to ask really, really boring questions. So why would a consumer fill that survey out? So we make sure that the experience itself is motivating, it's interesting enough that they will probably get something out of it. Okay, so they're learning something. Yeah, We tried to incorporate some interactions in the chat. For example, if I ask you, do you like Starbucks or Tim Hortons? We'll say, I like Starbucks. Then we'll say, oh, that's interesting. You are 65% of Canadians. Something at least to give you a perspective to know, mm. oh, you are. So we try that. I think some clients like it, but other clients don't. Oh, really? Especially, yeah. And especially, we all, always have a lot of questions. Some clients even see that a waste of time. That interaction, I can ask another question. <laughs> that is a reality. Whereas, whereas- from your perspective, you're saying, it yeah, but I'm be. keeping them involved and engaged yeah. in the survey. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So huh. we are really changing the dynamic between market researchers and the customers. Yeah. Just by definition, by changing the medium of the market research tool, you're yeah. bringing it one step closer to reality. Yeah. So are you augmenting the written word with 
audio, any sort of audio or video with this? We're、research? just about to use voice. Again, that's a debate in North America. At least we seem to have this impression that people don't necessarily like voice as much as texting. People seem to like texting more. In some other countries, people are more inclined to just click a button and talk, and then either that can be translated instantaneously into a, a like a text、uh, clip, or it doesn't. It just stays as a voice clip.、Mm. Um, in some other countries, people are more inclined to do that. We can show them a video. We clients always want to know spontaneous reactions, and that's the most accurate. Probably, we don't want them to over. over so the preliminary re- response. Yeah, yeah, just show them a video. Tell me how you feel. So I think another goal we'd like to achieve through this. Chatbot environment is try to get to the more spontaneous reactions.、Mm. We try to get to the system one type of thinking as much as possible. We try to we、uh, latency how to incorporate latency into interpretation. That's another behavioral type of data that、right. can be interpreted because Likert scales. We researchers we always like even eleven point scale. I'll show you an eleven point scale. Tell me to what extent you agree or disagree on the statement.、Um, but I often look at the scale, thinking, really, what is the difference between six and seven? Is that really going to help? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe the best thing would be to do is to take a photograph of the person's facial expression, right? Not just that, but also like eye track, right? To see how much they really debate between different answers.、Mm-hmm. So the faster you respond to. This question can be an indicator that you're more certain that A is your choice.、Right. While the second question, you probably debated longer. So that means if there were there was a scale, you're more in the middle.、Mm. While if it is faster, you're more like on one of the ends.、Hmm. So yeah, it's just fun to have technology to play with. So you know where my mind is going? The person is fully set up. You've got the MRI on their brain. You've got the eyeball trackers. Your tense. You're checking their heart rate. Yeah, all the probes. <laughs> their body temperature. <laughs> yeah, everything. And then、yeah. they sit in front of a screen. There are companies doing that. They can that. tell you one thing. Yeah. But their body says something else. Yeah. Yeah, there are like car clinic. They have new designs and invite people to come in to test the interior and all that. That's a very important part, type of research. But with、uh, virtual reality, we can just put goggles on people and then get them see the interior without going、hmm. to a place. It sounds like fun. It is、I、saves a lot people, of money. <laughs> more people might want to join these panels if they got to do cool things like. AR and actually, that's the feedback we got from our panel company. Really, they love working with working with us because our survey、uh, make their panelists more engaged. And then they they have stories to tell their friends. Guess what? I did this survey, and、mm-hmm. no, it wasn't just checking off boxes on a scale from one to five.、Mm-hmm. It was putting goggles on my face,、yeah. or it was actually、mm-hmm. interacting with a chatbot, and it was、yeah. the coolest chatbot you've ever seen.、Mm-hmm. I think the industry needs that kind of things.、It、needs to move toward an experience. We're all talking about customer experience. We don't treat our respondents or participants in a way. That we treat our customers really. We、uh, don't really pay enough attention to their experience doing research. If they are not fully engaged, how can we rely on what they're telling us? I think the whole industry has realized it is a challenge, especially especially with the younger generation. They have no patience sitting there to do a thirty-minute survey. That's just not happening. But the reality is, a lot of the surveys we have to track results,、uh, compare. 
what has happened in the past 20 years, for right. example. So the methodology has to stay the same. So do you think that some of those longitudinal surveys are just going to fade away? I would think, yeah, they will. I think they have been. Yeah fading away already mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. eventually they, that's not sustainable so this is the scary but exciting thing right mm-hmm. so it's scary to be in market research but it sure is exciting because there's huge opportunities but if you're going to hang on to your old ways it is scary it is the topic of every industry meeting that we have in the past our industry is called market research industry and now it's market research and, and analytics basically it's ai mm. how we can leverage technology mm. to really understand people but the industry is definitely shifting in a big way what i have seen and i think will need to happen next is really respondents we call respondents the term itself determines that we consider consumers respond to questions we marketers have. It's interesting, 20 years ago, I believe, my mentor told me she went to an SMR conference and then they were talking about how the term respondent needed to be retired. Right. 20 years after, we're still using respondents. <laughs> They're still our respondents. But I think it's this is just a word that we used to. It's okay. But it is should be the relationship between consumers and marketers that is really shifting. Advertising automation, for example, we don't test. Uh, I'm not saying all the campaigns are not being tested. I think there will still be a lot of campaigns to be tested, but at least there is an alternative to just put the ads out there and then test the market by itself Mm. through the co-creation process. Consumers will help vet the ads and at the end, the good ads will stay. Um, That is already happening. Um, Now, the inside technology, how can we obtain real insights to really understand people. I think it has become clear that the only way to do that is you have respondents participate actively as a partner instead of as a passive respondent. Okay, I'm going to ask you the five rapid fire questions now that I ask every guest, okay? Mm -hmm. First question is, what are your pet peeves? One thing I am really quite annoyed is seeing posts from people who consistently brag about their perfect life. First class, having a champagne, whatever. Like, there are people consistently doing that. It's Um, obnoxious. Yeah, I I think it, it can be cruel, I find. Yeah. And second question, what type of learner are you? Visual. Totally. A visual learner. Completely. Question number three. Introvert or extrovert? Introvert. Some of my friends might find it odd for me to label myself as an introvert because I my job dictates that I do talk to people. I'm a moderator. Also, I do have to do a lot of uh, presentations. What I have learned is that when I am tasked to talk, I can be quite effective. But if it is just a random, casual social setting, I find it hard. feels like it draws a lot of energy from me. Okay, so question number four, your communication preference for personal conversations. So these days I really love leaving audio messages using social media. Specifically, I use WeChat a lot because I really like the feature they have to allow you to just record a short, less than 60 second audio message. I think it's actually really handy because I can just talk to my friends. People are all around the world living in different time zones. It's not always easy to have a real time conversation, but with this feature, I can, whenever I want to say 
something, I just leave a, a, an audio clip and they'll get back to me in the same fashion. And I, I think it's better than texting. First, it's easier. I don't have to text. I'm not a fast typer. Also, I think it's more real life-like because I can hear the background. I hear, I hear their life in a way. With so you're friends. the first person that I've ever interviewed that has answered this way. Would you characterize it as basically leaving a voicemail for someone? It's kind of like leaving a voicemail, but it's all in your phone and easy to access? In a sense, I think it's better. It's a, it's a real conversation that doesn't have to happen at the same time. Question number five, podcast or blog or email newsletter that you recommend the most? These days, I'm really into Waking Up from uh, Sam Harris. His podcast is called Making Sense. I quite like it. I'll put links to those in the show notes. So I guess that's it. I want to thank you so much for sharing your insights with us. Thank you so much for having me. Wow. Kathy really is on the cutting edge of research, isn't she? And her answer to the rapid fire question about using WeChat, she is the first and only of 30 interviewees we've had who's answered with something outside of face-to-face communication, phone, or texting. Okay, let me summarize a few things that she said, and then we'll get into the five ways that we can all exercise our consumer voice. At the beginning of the interview, Kathy talked a bit about automated advertising. This is where firms blast out several ads with various insights and see what works. They create algorithms to change the placement of the ads, that is, how frequently and where and how they're placed, based on consumers' reactions. They can even update the actual ads themselves. So, it occurred to me when Kathy was describing automated advertising that we could say that we, as consumers, are actually exercising our consumer voices just by watching ads or by turning them off, right? Kathy also talked a bit about how market researchers are using AI and AR, artificial intelligence, and augmented reality, not just with automated advertising but also testing products and advertising campaigns using various latency measures like goggles and other sensory measurement techniques. That really sounds like a super fun focus group, doesn't it? And that was actually another of Kathy's points. Firms are actively trying to make consumer research more interactive and enjoyable. For example, by using gamification or sharing insights with us in real time and even using humor with chatbots. Ultimately, Kathy advocates making consumer research into part of the total consumer experience, which obviously should all be positive. So seeking going beyond a Q&A survey into something much more interactive, that means no longer calling us consumer respondents. Rather, we are participants, partners, and ultimately co-creators. Sounds good to me. Thank you, Kathy. If you listeners want to check out more about Kathy and her firm, you can go to the show notes or check out her website, next.in. That's N-E-X-X-T dot I-N. Now, the five ways that we can all exercise our consumer voice. Yes, people, I am here to inspire and enable you as a consumer. First, obviously, after that interview, we can all see that simply by participating in market research, we are exercising our consumer voice. So the next time that phone rings or someone knocks on your door or you get an email invitation to participate in market research, if it's a product or service that you care about, I encourage you to participate. Second, and this one is also obvious, vote with your money. If you aren't satisfied with the service you're receiving, change service providers. If you're not satisfied with something you bought, take it back and demand your money back. Vote with your wallet. Next, if you know anything about me and my research, you probably saw this one coming. 
word of mouth. If you're not satisfied, tell your friends. Post your stories, the good and the bad, on social media. Become a consumer vigilante with a big mouth. Fourth, you can also more formally reward and complain about great products and services directly to the company. Sometimes we forget how simple and effective this can be. Personally, I find it very satisfying when I receive great customer service. And if I can speak with someone's boss so I can tell them how great the service has been with a particular employee. Or you can also write a formal review on websites like TripAdvisor or Yelp or Homestars. And last, and this one's actually less obvious, but it can be extremely effective. Ask the company. If you received fantastic service, you could say, how can I make sure this outstanding service is recognized? Ask the person, should I write an email or a letter or an online review? What can I do? Ask them how your voice can best be amplified. So there you go. That's five ways that you can exercise your consumer voice. Number one, participating in consumer research. Number two, voting with your money. Number three, engaging in word of mouth. Number four, by formally documenting your experience. And number five, by asking the firm itself how you can amplify your consumer voice. There is one last thought I leave you with. Just like all of our other interactions, we should try to have a good ratio of positive to negative. So watch the valence. We don't want everything to be negative, do we? So every time you complain as a consumer about something, make sure you also left a compliment recently about something else. All right, that's it. That's all I have for you today. I hope you learned something about exercising your consumer voice. So I want to thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already, and I'd really, really love it if you would subscribe to the weekly email blog. I know many of you have been exercising your consumer voice and doing just that. The list is growing. So thank you to all of you who have signed up and who have spread the word. It's easy. Just go to talkabouttalk.com, sign up for the blog, and you can access all of the past blogs and podcasts right there. Okay, that's it. Thanks again for listening, and talk soon. Thank you.